0: Hi, and welcome to The Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman. I'm Sarah Merle. And today we're going to be talking about the latest Trump indictment. I it is strange to have to like constantly be updating indictments against former presidents, but <laughs> it's 2023 and we all live in hell. Um this is, these are the federal indictments in Florida uh surrounding the president's uh retention uh of classified or sent, at least sensitive documents at Mar-a-Lago. But first, Sarah, uh, by listener request, not just What Do You Eat and What's Eating You, but specifically, what is your song of the summer so far?
1: Uh, so far, um, I uh, my my what I'm eating and what's eating you is kind of the same. So uh, I found these <laughs> in a gas station. This is called Rise Fuel. This one's called Tiger Blood. They also had a Sunny D version. But it is a sugarless, completely meaningless, dyed and flavored straight water. Um, and in a similar fashion, my song of the summer is called Sacrilege. Um, and the artist is uh, called Cain culto um, and it's great. It's a fucking bop. It's about a beautiful, beautiful gay man um, who meets a new boyfriend who looks like Jesus. And it features um, the lyrics like um, "I'm clapping, I, I clap for the Lord while I'm clapping these cheeks." It's nice. great. It's it's really fun. What about <laughs> what about you? Um, what's your what's your song of the summer and your and your little snack of the summer?
0: Uh, so my snack of the summer so far are these like sweet Korean like. Uh, rice puffs. Um, they're the um, favorite of many Korean idols because they're very low calorie and they just have a yeah. hint of sweetness. Um, and uh, I was at the Catskills uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple weekends ago with uh, my family, and my sister in law brought them, and I basically ate them nonstop the entire weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I felt extremely Korean. So uh, you can find them everywhere. You can just ask your Korean friends about it, they're they'll easy to find. Uh, and as
1: as we know, what is the ultimate uh, Asian compliment about a dessert? It's low calorie. It's not too sweet. Uh, not too sweet. There you go. Not too sweet. Mm-hmm. That's how you know you've gotten, you got a really good one. I keep comparing. Yeah. I have a couple <laughs> new products that I keep comparing to um, adult sweet Japanese Kit Kats. And I find that most people have not tried an adult sweet Japanese Kit Kat. And I found some. So I'm going to divvy them up into little samples so people can have their first japanese kit kat experience with
0: me so i think for halloween this year we should maybe do an international like candy roundup of like the best international variations of candies because there's an entire world out there uh of candies you can't get in the united states normally that are fucking anyway that are absolutely amazing (laughs) (laughs) but my song of the summer so far actually came out about three months ago i know shut up yeah um but uh, it's uh, by a Japanese, uh, Japanese, by a Korean K pop group called 5050. They're fr- on a smaller company. Um, and so they basically rose from nothing there. Uh, the song is called um, Cupid. Yes. And uh, I am obsessed with it. And so it has like 321 million listens on Spotify uh, so far. But I recommend the twin version. The reason I say this is uh it's all in english and unlike a lot of translations they actually kind of rewrote the lyrics it's not an exact translation it actually fits uh the language really well um and it's also about how uh love is stupid um, yeah. <laughs> with the uh, uh with basically tr- dating and being in a relationship that makes you feel like love doesn't exist or in other words cupid is so dumb <laughs>
1: Well, I'm telling you, Matt, this is why you got to get on TikTok because this song is huge on TikTok right now. It's mm. massive.
0: So I've been listening to it for months, but it is like a perfectly summer song. And I'm going to give a backup if you want one that's newer uh, and a B-side, not a title track. Um, there's a new release from g Idol called I Feel. That's the name of the album. This B-side is called Paradise, and it is perfect for... <laughs> being with someone that you just fell in love with and like driving around aimlessly at night, just enjoying like yeah. the summer breeze. Like it is like dreamy and breezy and just like ab- feels like young love. So paradise by G idol. Listen to that one too.
1: Um, If I, since this is been my last one, since we're throwing out Rex, but mm-hmm. if you need a throwback that you completely forgot about in the first, like two seconds of the beat dropping, you're going to be like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Uh that would be Like a Feather by Nikki Costa. Are you familiar with that one? Very, very like old song.
0: It's so a good. Classic. So good. Yeah. yeah. And it's one where every time it comes on, you're like, shit, I should put this in my rotation.
1: Yeah, like someone put their whole pussy into this beat, even though it's like really, really simple. But like when the when the when the chorus <laughs> drops and there's the <laughs> right and you're just like, yes, oh yes. <laughs> I want to do a little bit of ecstasy and dance this.
0: Seriously. Uh, it, yeah, there was. Ma- somebody just went maximum effort <laughs> and then laid down the beat.
1: <laughs> also, it's one of the last, like, Matt and I grew up during a time. If you don't know this person, you need to look up Hype Williams music videos. So. This is like peak 90s music video and they all like the joke is like they all look like they're being shot inside a cheese grater. Like it's just like metal walls and reflective services and lights and all those cool stuff. But like since we're having a revival of that time, uh, all if there's anyone listening who listens to the podcast who's like under 30, just look up Hype Williams music videos and just like ha- make a night of it. Have all your friends over.
0: That is actually something that uh, I learned that people do in like Poland and some places of Central Central Europe is have YouTube parties Where they basically like just get a projector and then everyone just like brings a few favorite videos and they smash them into a playlist and you just like hang out and watch people's favorite YouTube videos. It's really fun. You guys don't even know about video
1: bars. That used to be a thing back mm. in the day. You, you would go to, it was usually a gay bar, but it's a, you know, when it when it's a video bar, that means there were screens everywhere. Oh. And instead of playing sports, they just play really slick music videos. And it's super fun.
0: Yeah. I went to one of these that was held with a bunch of like Polish guys who were uh, gay, gay <laughs> Polish men who would come to the United yes. States uh, to like for their PhD work. And um, there was some weird culture clash because some of them mm-hmm. brought like, what you'd expect, like music videos and whatnot. Some brought like super artsy, like 30 minute long silent shit. Like it was deeply weird, but kind of fun to see. And I brought a uh, mashup of, that was literally just all the times that uh, from Akira, where the main character screams, Tetsuo! Just the whole thing, (laughs) just each of the times, super cut. It takes like 10 minutes, it's like five or 10 minutes of him just screaming Tetsuo over and over again. And there was just like dead silence and confusion. I felt I felt like they did not see me. (laughs) (laughs) It was was totally worth it. I also got to see like a little stop motion porn uh, of Barbie dolls. Amazing. Which I did not expect.
1: I do if you ever if if there is a a short film like um, festival or that used to be one of my favorite things. What am I saying used to be? I can do that now. There are still short film festivals. I need to go back to them. They're really fun. But you get to see like for me with ADHD, like sometimes a movie is too much, uh, which by the way, um, Sanctuary is a movie that I just saw here locally. It's another if you like secretary and you like realistic portrayals of uh, kink and BDSM. Uh, especially power dynamic stuff. That movie is amazing. It's also ninety fucking minutes. It takes place in one room, and then it's done. And it's like, fucking thank you.
0: I what I love about that film is that, as someone who loves film and would love to like be in one or make one eventually at some point in my life, that is a lovely film that feels achievable. Yeah. That oh, it feels like with if all of you and your friends got together and really put your shit together, yes. you could do that.
1: That, that is that movie is about you know the power of twenty dollars 2 really talented actors and an incredible script because it is literally shot inside one room and a hallway and that's the that's the entire location. It's about uh, a Dom and a, and uh, her submissive and it is about power and class and money and paranoia and front stage and backstage self and it's so good and it's so complex and it's a show not tell movie. Uh. And it's like an hour and a half and it's done and it's fantastic.
0: And it shows that the best special effect remains the power of the human face.
1: Yes, that's
0: correct. Right? Yes. That... She is
1: they're both so good, but like they they both just work their face like nobody's business.
0: <sighs> yeah. i I feel right like now sometimes alienate. Sorry, we should we can have a cinema episode, but I'm just gonna say <laughs> yeah, yeah. sometimes I feel alienated, even from movies I like, because they're not human yeah. scale. They don't feel yeah. like a small group of people can make it. It doesn't even feel like it portrays real human relationships. Like sometimes yeah. the stake is the stakes are always the f- entire fucking universe, and yeah. like as opposed to sometimes the highest stakes is literally just like a human relationship or like loving yourself or something yeah. that feels yeah. immensely personal, uh, and that can feel weightier than some bullshit about you know the end of the world or whatever so
1: do you know what this means matt we're gonna have to start a separate podcast about (laughs) movies about relationships and people because that's my fucking shit my dude like there are you know for example and i'm so sorry then we'll be done i just had way too much (laughs) caffeine before we started this but like hereditary is a horror film granted it is a movie about a family. It is a movie about family dynamics and resentment between people and resentment between mothers and daughters and resentment between sons and moms. And it is a movie about family relationships. And that will be on our next podcast.
0: I 100% yes, please. Um, I love Ari Aster. I see everything he does. Uh, I have a lot of feelings about every single movie he's made. I have a lot of feelings about even Bo is Afraid. Anyway, Yes. This will happen because for those listeners out there who don't know, I see in the theaters between two to five movies a week. Um, awesome. Yeah. So I am. I try to see everything. I yeah. absolutely love them. It's like I spend very little money on stuff, but I spend money on food <laughs> and movies. Anyway. All right. So moving on to less fun things. Yes. Yes. So as all of you probably know, and everyone knows around the world, uh, Donald Trump was formally indicted uh, in Florida by federal authorities um, on many, many, many counts. Um, it was <laughs> of uh, uh, under it's under 18 USC 793, so basically having unauthorized possession and then willful retention and failure to deliver uh, sensitive material relating to national security. Uh, it is cool. as serious as it as it sounds, um, but I know that there, there are probably a lot of you non lawyers out there who have a lot of questions about this. So, uh, Sarah, what is it about this that you want to know about as a layperson?
1: Okay, yes, I told Matt before we started the, sh- the show that I am the most uh, uh, informationless, the most blank on this topic, a uh, beginner mind, so. Um, I just know the very few things that trickled down to me because honestly, I'm so jaded with this process that I don't actually believe anything's going to happen. So I refuse to let myself engage with it emotionally. Um, but that <laughs> I know a couple things cause listen to a 20 minute little rundown about it by behind the bastard. So they found these documents in a bathroom <laughs> between the toilet and the wall and Donald Trump being the, um, bombastic fucking moron that he is was just showing classified documents to like people he was hanging out with. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. So what are the potential consequences, I guess, is is the first thing. Okay. So what's e- he actually charged with?
0: So each of so it it's it's multiple violations. Well the relevant ones, the important ones, are these violations. Yeah um, of 18 USC 793 Subsection E, for those of you who, who want it, um, the important part of this, the consequences are that each of these, uh, each of the counts, right? We have over 30 different counts for seven different types of charges, but the most okay. important ones are the uh, uh, are the ones uh, of USC 793, um, 18793, because they each carry for each count a potential penalty of up to 10 years in jail. Ugh. And the reason for this is that even a single one of the documents here, because this specifically deals with material surrounding national security, the disclosure of a single document could have major, major consequences. So they want to make sure that even if there's a single count, the penalty is high enough. Um, yeah. That to deter anyone from, from trying to break it, let alone the voluminous uh, number of documents we're talking about here. And I want to note that there were over 100 documents that were uh, found marked as classified or restricted, um, but they're only charging a, a little over 30 of them. Um, and they actually exempted, I think, 21 of the documents because they were so sensitive that the, the DOJ did not want them to go through the legal system. So they actually dropped wow. out the most serious documents.
1: Wow, wow! Yeah. So they these are these are a seriousness of like even even with the most robust redaction, they just cannot be in the public record at all.
0: Yeah, they did not. If they had been the only documents, maybe they would have made a different judgment. But since they did not need, to, I mean, if, if even if he gets five years, two years for each of these counts, right? He's still going to jail for the rest of his life. So I think that they made the correct decision, DOJ made the correct decision of just saying, we don't need these, Uh, let's protect them. We don't want them in the public record or even revealed to the courts um, in in a redacted, heavily redacted format, because the mere existence of them is something we don't want uh, the public or even the courts to know about
1: god damn
0: god damn like i'm just trying to impress the seriousness of the situation that it's not just the normal carnival around trump like this is like literally life and death deadly serious shit
1: so the other thing that i heard is that like trump so you know the again the perpetual question with trump right is that like he seems to be wholly disconnected from reality, right? Like he seems to literally fabricate his reality as it suits him in the moment. And no there was there there seems to be no amount of impressing upon him the actual seriousness and danger of this that would make him understand aside from prison time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
0: I I, I 100% agree that uh, uh, I <sighs> the worst case scenarios does not seem to be true that he openly disseminated or tried to shop um, these documents yeah. to uh our adversaries abroad instead in classic trump fashion he did this for the pettiest of fucking reasons yep right he wanted because they were like they were he thought that they were his that they were mementos and he wanted to show them off to show what a big fucking tough guy uh he I, is i'm sp- I, I am
1: speechless. Matt, this is like this is like the navy kid who's going to go to federal prison because he showed off the uh tank plans in his like discord chat. <laughs>
0: that, that that's exactly it. And um this that in that particular case, um they had basically just like fucked up their screening that showed that psychologically he was unfit to have yeah. access to any sort of classified information. Unfortunately, the screening for the president to have access to classified information <laughs> is an election. Um, so it was the American people who sort of, you know, failed uh, uh, on that situation. So like, I want to be like, really, 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 really clear um, that any excuse um, for this conduct Right? If true, if true, if the conduct is true, which we have a lot of evidence that it is, but I will throw out that legal caveat, that <laughs> anybody who is worried about the national security of the United States right, should not want anyone, yeah. no matter who they are, yeah. to treat sensitive national security uh, documents in this way. And yeah. yes, there are arguments to be made that, so, that there's an overclassification problem. Um, Okay, but given that we have recordings of Trump, at least alluding to that, the document in his hand at the time, which, by the way, has not been found, um, concern the nuclear capacity of another country, that these were not do not appear to be documents. At least he wasn't claiming uh, that these documents were fell anywhere within that sort of over over classification umbrella. Like, sure and given that um that we don't have to just rely on trump's boasting about it that doj and dod have worked together to like verify the importance of these documents we can say that like it is likely that at least some of them uh fall well inside what any reasonable person would be considered to be sensitive or classified information
1: i don't even like i don't this is i don't I don't even we're back to my eternal question about Trump, which is like those of us who were like screaming and pulling our hair out after the 2016 election. We're doing so because of this, not necessarily like I truly never once thought that Trump himself, the person, the individual had the intellectual capacity or or just the ability to have long term thinking long enough to be a self-directed diabolical person, mm-hmm. right? Like, but this is a situation in which, again, because he is ultimately a skin suit full of, uh, parasitic insects, like, you know, where the people around him could use his ignorance to animate him to be the fall guy for them selling classified secrets. You know what I mean? hmm
0: And then we have a fall guy here. Yeah. Someone, we have multiple people Trump tried to like set up as the fall guy. And in this case, um, there's, a Walt Nauda or a Waltine Nauda as his full name, okay. who, um, weirdly appears to be actually kind of a patriot. Um, oh, God. yeah, like he tr- basically, he, you know, he was a Navy veteran who came to work for the Trump administration and then joined the Trump or Trump's, uh, post presidency organization, um, uh, uh, uh after trump left office, that he was office he was a true believer yeah and he was the one who was physically moving these boxes around yeah. <laughs> and and to protect donald trump he in his first meeting with the fbi he he lied to them although yeah. it appears he was more forthcoming um mm in the uh uh in his subsequent meetings with law enforcement and this is where so we have like 31 counts of of the uh, of the document retention um charges which we previously discussed um willful retention of national defense information um but then the 32nd charge is a uh conspiracy to obstruct justice and that conspiracy involves Donald Trump and Walt Nauda. Because they worked together to try to hide these documents, yep. right? And literally in this case, all Walt Nauda did was like carry the boxes around to where Donald Trump wanted them, right? And let him know where they were. But that's all it takes. And when you commit even the slightest action, it could be moving a single box or even a single one of the documents. Now you're a party to the conspiracy. All, I, all I'm saying
1: is for anybody who's whining and bitching about how that's not fair, you maybe you're right right maybe you're right but we also live in a system where if you are riding in a car with somebody who who stops and robs and kills somebody you go down for that crime as if you also stopped and robbed and killed somebody you know
0: yeah e- exactly and like there are cases where you can like i i worked a case where there was someone who because of the felony murder charge did go to jail for murder even though they personally did not kill anyone the other person right. committing the felony um, killed the person this was a strange situation in which the actual killer person who pulled the trigger uh got life in jail but since he flipped first the guy who did not kill um got the death penalty so, so that's a situation which you could say that you know maybe um the law is overstepping right Yeah. So, like, for those of you who think – I mean, I don't know if – for those who are podcast only who don't see the video, like, Sarah, like, covered her face and gasped. Like, <laughs> I mean, it is a – it was a deeply fucked up case. Like, yeah, I – like, we ended up losing that case and it was – I found it very hard.
1: Um, and um, we will – by the way, um, coming up, uh, Dan Cannon, by the way, uh, agreed to do – come on the podcast. So, in July, um, we are going to be interviewing uh, the author of an amazing book that everybody should read called Pleading Out – um, and it's all about how the judicial system is set up to uh, incentivize prosecutors to get plea bargains, which is perhaps one of the, if not the single most responsible thing for sending the wrong people to to, to jail.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I'm so excited. It's, it's going to be yeah. amazing. And like, you would be shocked at how common this sort of thing is. This yeah. is not one of those situations where the the law itself <laughs> or the structure of the court is le- courts are leading to a miscarriage. Of justice. Right. In in fact, like, Walt Nauda's mistake was trusting Donald Trump. And I think the lesson, this is a lesson that um, many people have learned over the years, from Trump's attorneys to business partners, co-investors to Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen said, right, years ago that like Donald Trump betrays everyone. (laughs) And and he thought, Cohen thought for years he would be the one he wouldn't betray, right? Because he was facilitating the betrayal a lot of times. Sure. Until Trump betrayed him. And while well, Nauda has found out that Trump betrayed him, but in the, but it's too late. And like, this is, I think it's sad, but I also think it's the correct application of the law. Yeah. Um And I just want anyone who has a Trump supporter in their life or any Trump supporter out there to hear this, that like Donald Trump does not care about you. If he needs to throw you to the wolves, he will set he will set things up to make sure that you're the one who gets thrown to the wolves. Um, Like it is not an accident.
1: If you need any um, proof of this, uh, I think the situation with Sidney Powell around the election in 2020 is like probably the perfect exemplar of how he will just... You know, you can put Sidney Powell as a crazy person, like, granted, she's entirely disconnected from reality. And I would like to for her to take a piss and blood and hair test. Uh, But also, like, she she put her entire professional reputation up to this point on the line for Donald fucking Trump. And the minute the media tide turned against her, they fired her Mm. and you know now she's a, a lunatic adrift in the stream with absolutely nowhere to go but lunatic places yeah. um uh,
0: to get the scale of this the like the f- counts 1 through uh 31 right they that apply to trump um are for the willful attention of national offense information each of them has a maximum term of imprisonment of 10 years right but the ones that are co um that are co uh, charged to Walton Outa as well. I want to read you their maximum terms. For a conspiracy to obstruct justice, 20 years. Withholding a document or a record, 20 years. Um, corruptly concealing a document or record, 20 years. Concealing a document in a federal investigation, 20 years. Scheme to concede, five years. False statements and representation, five years.
1: So if he gets convicted, he's also basically going away for the rest of his life as well.
0: So 20, 40, 60, 80, 90 years, he's facing oh, as definitely. a max, but yeah. he'll get less than that, obviously. Sure, of course. But come on, like, this is not Trump opening up to like a, a fine and a slap on the wrist. This is opening him up to hard federal time.
1: I, I don't, you know, perhaps this is why uh, the sort of current response to Trump is like... Um, let's just say not as frothing at the mouth as it was the first couple times around. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, the reason is that like you can, as much as you want to, you can claim victimhood. You can claim martyrdom, right? For a cause. But at the end of the day, like all those fucking idiots who came to Washington DC and you know, they, the, the January Sixers love to say, like the police let them in. Like the police were trying not to get, um, stampeded like Uh the the, like it was obvious that this crowd was in a uh let's say frothy state and they were not to be reasoned with and now a lot of those people went to real federal fucking prison because they went with the mob mentality and it like the mob betrayed them you know
0: (laughs) yeah i mean i I, i'm finding it I think it's strange that a few people are still defending Trump when it comes to this. But I do I think I agree. I, I agree that it's less frothing at the mouth. It seems less strident now. It seems more
1: yeah.
0: lukewarm. Yeah. Um that you know the and, and also like it it seems far-fetched, I think, even to an ordinary person, because this is pretty straightforward. You weren't supposed to have these documents. You had them. They asked for them. You didn't give them. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Right. Yeah. That like that. This is a pretty easy story to understand. There's there's not it's not complicated from like a a complicated financial crime. Like this is much closer to I took shit I shouldn't have and I wouldn't give it back
1: well and and you know we're uh, the classic story of like trump being categorically and pathologically incapable of handling the responsibility <laughs> of the job is like you know they they love to bring up that like oh well you know the the bidens they had a document or the obamas they found documents afterwards and like the i'm i'm sure that's absolutely true i'm also sure that the documents that the obama administration returned after the fact were locked up in a like heavily guarded like you know what I mean? Where no. because, because they understand the seriousness of keeping presidential documents, right? Like, just in case. You don't want people to get in there just in case. I shred my financial documents. If someone tried to steal my identity, the joke is thoroughly on them. But still, like, you just keep
0: certain things secure. Every adult knows that. And the relevant statutory text here is willfully retains and fails to deliver. Yeah. So they're not charging Trump with um, transmission. Right. Yeah. Um, it's the willful retention and failure to deliver. And so in the Obama case, in the Biden case, in the pun, in the in the Pence case, and I want to say the word willful. Yeah. Uh, the word willful is a term of art in the law. So it means that you had to know about it and do it on purpose. Yep. Right? It's not reckless, it's not negligent. Willful is a higher standard. Like you have to yeah. know about it. You have to know that these things exist and then do it anyway. Yep. So in the Obama, Trump, and Pence cases, and I, I'm throwing Pence in there because I want to show this isn't the partisans thing, there's yep. no willfulness because it appears, A, none of them knew that they had the documents, yep. and B, there was no retention because once they knew that they had the documents, the documents were then transmitted to the appropriate authorities. Yep. So they fail the willfulness, and then they fail the second part, failure to deliver, they did deliver. So uh, their retention was not willful and they did deliver. So they don't fulfill the statute. So for anyone out there who like, I I was thinking about framing this as like arguing with your uncle. So like if if anyone's uncle out there goes, but what about Pence? But what about uh, Obama? But about Biden? Here it is. There's the statutory text, right? Straightforward. You can explain willfulness in no simple terms, but it's the same way like I cannot willfully conceal something I don't know about. So, for example, Correct. let's say Sarah, you hide—I don't know—a teenage mutant ninja turtle action figure <laughs> in my room, right? As I'm wont to do. As you yeah, are. Everybody to do. knows. Yeah. And then s- someone goes, "Where did my teenage mutant ninja turtle action figure go?" Because it turns out you stole it from them, and you you stashed it in my in my room to hide it. I am not willfully concealing or retaining the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. I don't know it exists. Correct. So there are two things I can do. The person's like, I have reason to believe the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle is in your room. And I look for it, and lo and behold, I find it. The What should I do in this case?
1: You would have to return it. Otherwise, look at
0: you dealing in stolen property. Hmm? So if I return it, there's no possible criminal charge against me, right? (laughs) I've done nothing willfully. I've stolen nothing. I have retained nothing. Instead, delivery was asked once it was discovered. Delivery was done. However, if I go, fuck you, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle is my precious, (laughs) like Gollum style, (laughs) right? Ding, ding, ding. Now I'm in trouble. Well, and, and also, like...
1: I'm I'm going through the devil's avocado to borrow a phrase from sounds like a cult uh, version of this, which is like, okay, devil's avocado. They didn't know that they had it. Right. So they, if, if I'm lazy, which we know that Trump is mm-hmm. like all and everyone is lazy and incompetent, take every fucking box, presuming this may be generous on my part, that mm-hmm. they're all labeled that we relatively can look at the outside and know what's in them. Just return them all right. Mm-hmm. Return them all.
0: Send th- them all back. Let them deal with it. And what the archive would do in that case would go through them, Correct. take the documents that are relevant, and then return the rest to you. That yes. is the proper process. That's actually what Obama, Biden, and Pence did. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. They simply said, here are all the things we think could possibly contain them. Yeah. And this is what an archivist does. And so there was a um, case and that was referenced. There was somebody who was trying to argue, and Trump kept referencing Nixon. And I, I was trying to figure out which Nixon case, and I realized that it was Nixon versus GSA. It was Nixon versus the General Services Administration, okay. because post Watergate, you know, uh, the National Archives wanted um, uh, 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 by sta- had there just a new statute for presidential records to be held by the National Archives um, for obvious reasons uh, for the same, and that's just still the law. And Nixon sued. <laughs> And to protect his reputation, he didn't want all the horrible things that he had done yep. being uh, <laughs> revealed to the public. And yeah. Trump supporters have tried to use this case to defend him. Look at the Nixon case. Like, I looked it up just to remind myself. The court ruled seven to two against Nixon. Yep, <laughs> They're just like, no, like there's no violation of your constitutional rights either as a private individual or as president. In fact, there is intense Uh, justification to breach your privacy in this case, um, to take the documents because A, they're not yours, and B, public interest trumps it for both historical purposes but also governmental purposes. The government needs to be able to have access to the presidential records because government policy has some continuation. There are relevant reasons why Congress or a a later executive would want access uh, to presidential records. So the court just outright rejected Nixon's argument. I don't get why Trump supporters keep trying to cite Nixon V GSA. You can find it was done in 1977. This is still good law. It's never been overruled. Like it's a pretty big canon in like, you know, in separation of powers. Like, no, this is not a breach of separation of powers. I don't know why they keep trying to cite it, but like, here's another thing. If your uncle tries to bring that up, like you have the case citation it's Nixon versus General Services Administration, nineteen seventy seven. It's really straightforward. Like this is not. this was not a close one.
1: How how familiar are you, Matt, with um, sovereign citizenship stuff?
0: <laughs> Sadly, more familiar than I would like to be.
1: <laughs> okay, great. So you, so you're you're very very familiar with a certain subsect of uh, of conservatives being able to sort of just interpret. The law at will and then and then per- perpetually perennially be genuinely surprised that every time they just hand over a piece of paper to a cop that says you know i am a sovereign citizen i'm not bound by your laws and the cop says great thank you so much and then crumbles it up throws them away and arrests them anyway they seem to be surprised and new any so like well, I think that you are doing something valiant here, which is fighting back against the Facebook <laughs> uncles of the world, Matt. But, uh, you know, I think I think it always uh, for our own sanity bears repeating that these people can create any reality of their it's choosing true. at any time they want.
0: It, it's very true. Uh, um, oftentimes, I think the important thing is you don't engage with like the anger or the vitriol or whatever. You just make sure that because you are always arguing for the audience. In yes. any debate, you're arguing for the audience because there are people out there who are persuadable who don't pay attention um, yeah. to this stuff very much, and uh, the key is to make it comprehensible and understandable to them. So, like one of my friends uh, uh, said that his classic example is he he plays um, podcasts about uh, these issues that explain like explainers about this stuff around his parents. He knows that his dad will flip out, but that he, it's, he's not playing it for his dad. He's playing it for his mom who yeah. listens to them, sees the dad's response, listens more, and then has turned against Trump because yeah. <laughs> quietly she didn't have to argue with her husband. She just let her son know that she was no longer going to vote for Trump, that she found that the information he had provided to be helpful um, and that uh, and that she appreciated the fact that he was always trying to provide facts um, uh, to her in a way that was useful. And, you know, she didn't have a lot of time. She didn't have a lot of background. Um, but I think that we all do a public service when we engage that way, even if we're not going to persuade the person we're directly speaking to, like do it for the listeners. There are people out there.
1: Well, yeah. And, and, you know, there are some, some parts of the argument against this that are, you know, reasonable, right? Like, like, uh back to what we were talking about um levels of classification right like uh-huh. we do not have a very um adept system at appropriately classifying things and it's too broad it's too general right and like you know if you're a if you're a Snowden person which you know that's complex to me too but one of the reasons that Snowden did what he did was he was saying that there is no reason that you know, just some fucking contractor off the street should have access to these government secrets with this level of clearance. And I think that's probably true. But, like, that's an entirely separate issue that, like, cannot be adjudicated here. You know what I mean? Like, in the same way that, like, um, you know, I, like... Pleading the fifth, like the the sort of mediated version of pleading the fifth is that it's like this like impenetrable steel barrier against any further inquiry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which like <laughs> in reality, um, actually, will you talk about that? Like in reality, what the actual process of like, so you plead the fifth, like it doesn't mean like they're just like, oh, OK, well.
0: <laughs> well, OK, so pleading the fifth means two different things. So yeah. in a civil context, so in a civil case, um. You, <laughs> If you plead the fifth, if you, if you say, I don't want to say, right, if you refuse to answer, the jury is actually allowed to make a negative inference. They are allowed yep. to infer that whatever answer would be bad for you. Um, yep. In a criminal context, that is not the case. Practically, though, <laughs> juries are people. And yep. if someone does not want to plead the fifth, it means two things. It means first, they need to believe that there is something damaging or damning about the answer to that question or else the fifth is not applicable because note the, the fifth must be something that would be damaging to your argument. Yeah. And second, um, that <laughs> and second that it has to be uh, uh, better to say nothing than to provide the answer to allow that sort of natural negative inference than providing the exact content uh, of the answer. Yeah. So I think on a simple level, yes, like maybe you can distinguish criminal and civil contexts, right? You're allowed the negative inference while you don't. On a practicable level, because people aren't fucking dumb, yeah. like <laughs> um, pleading the fifth is not a shield even in a criminal context to the jurors going shit there's probably something bad there and then taking into account all the other circumstances and evidence to try to guess what that bad thing is and it also opens up the prosecutor to to provide evidence pointing to to what that that bad thing most likely is that the person doesn't want to say like for example if um <laughs> <laughs> I mean this is stupid, right but let's say like uh the, they ask the person like have you ever <laughs> have you they, they have no evidence but like there's a browser they've like wiped their browser history and they're not able to get it and they can like, ask them like have you ever googled how to poison your husband using fentanyl to bring up a classic case recently and the person pleads the fifth well, if the answer were no, I've never googled how to poison my husband with fentanyl. You would just say no. <laughs> right? right? If you plead the fifth cuz that would be a bad it would be damaging to answer the question, the natural inference would be, "Yeah, she googled that." <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, and isn't, aren't there plenty of situations where, like, if a person is testifying in one case, but they also have an ongoing separate criminal case where it's, like, you ask them a question that might incriminate, incriminate them in that other case, like, there are situations, correct, where, like, the judge can be like, hey, what is the thing that you're not trying to say, right? Yeah. Like, there are, aren't there plenty of situations in which, like, that leads to further inquiry yeah, by it, everyone involved? Because it
0: has to be damaging to the case at hand, right? right. And so if a judge thinks – that this is not, that you're pleading the fifth in bad faith, right? Not because you're trying to plead the fifth, not because it would be damaging to the extant case, to the case, case at hand, but because of something else. That's not relevant in this courtroom. Right. And they could, if the other case tries to enter that into evidence right. The statement in the previous case, the person can say, can appeal to the court and say it should be excluded because of the fifth amendment. And it can be struck from, and it can be excluded. Sure. But that does not protect you (laughs) in the, in the alternate courtroom, in the other, in the other case. So yes, you are hundred percent. Right. And like, it's not some magic shield the same way that, you know, a lot of times things like um, executive privilege, Right, get invoked as these sort of magic words, but like right now, or in, in this case, separation of, or in another case, separation of powers, Harlan Crowe is trying to resist having to testify uh, testify in front of Congress um, about his payments to uh, Clarence Thomas um, and he's claiming separation of powers. Well, separation right. of powers applies to members of a branch of the federal government. Is Harlan Crowe a branch of the federal government? Is he a federal <laughs> official? Like is he claiming that his influence over Clarence Thomas is such that he has the same separation of power standing as a justice of the Supreme court. It is a nonsensical (laughs) argument. It's throwing out jargon as if they're magic spells and expecting like a portal to open up to another dimension. Like that, that's not how this works. Um, And it's at least it's not the way it's supposed to work, but like, Again, we're not always dealing with good faith arguments. They're just trying to throw a lot of shit into the air um, so that people can't uh, – so people breathe it in and then don't want to deal with it anymore.
1: Um, yeah, it, and yeah. and again, never forget uh, anytime you get into a conversation with anybody who is <clears throat> thoroughly and avowedly on the right, they make – their own reality if they choose that your reality is too threatening they will not engage with it
0: i do want to note here though that trump's public arguments around the documents are very different than his legal arguments Uh, of course always that he publicly states that like he had full authority to classify and declassify documents but this is actually not a defense in this case because let's go to the statutory language uh sarah and you can tell me what's missing so the statute reads at the beginning, whoever having unauthorized possession of access to or control, that's relevant, over any document writing yada, 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 relating to the national defense or information relating to the national defense, right? So unauthorized possession of something that is related to the national defense. People are arguing that the, that Trump declassified these documents.
1: What doesn't matter.
0: M- yeah. What's missing in the statute? Whether or not it's
1: classified. That's the whole thing. It's like, he's not allowed to have the documents. It doesn't matter if they're classified or declassified. He's not allowed to have them.
0: (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. What matters is whether or not they were related to the national defense.
1: Yeah. Right. Like, that's it. That's all there is. I mean, well, the the other thing is that, like, uh, your same uncle who's going to argue about Snowden... Mm-hmm. is going to intentionally overlook this part of the, the statute that you point out, right? Which is like, he's not allowed to have them. Mm-hmm. Therefore, having them, regardless of their classification, is the crime. Yeah.
0: And, the, and let's, let, let, again, let's steel man this. And I think we've done a pretty good job steel manning, like making the best possible <laughs> case here, right? You know, it says unauthorized acts, unauthorized possession of. So let's say that in Trump's mind, he at first thought he was authorized to have it. Why would, what would change? Like he thinks he's authorized to have it. What isn't relevant to the facts of the case that might've informed him that he was not authorized? Well, they told
1: him they, regardless of whatever he thinks, eventually they said, Hey, um, I know that you think that you're allowed to have those, but you're actually not. And so we need you to give them back. At that point, we, again, either way, ignorance of the law is never a defense against the law. You can't get pulled over for going 90 in a 65 and be like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't see the sign."
0: Well, actually, there are some situations where ignorance of the law is a defense. It's when there's an intent <laughs> standard. You have to where you might have to be This is particularly true in like financial in complex financial crimes or things like that. Sure. You would actually have to like intend uh to break the law uh right. but in this case the the and the intense standard his willful retention right yeah. but the key here is that once he was told as you noted that he was not authorized anymore his opinion as to his own authorization didn't matter because remember at the time this is 2021 through 2022 what was he no longer in 2021 and 2022 that would be the commander in chief. <laughs> well, unless you ask, like I said, yeah. a bunch of uh, sovereign citizens or QAnoners. Yeah. yeah, he he wasn't president anymore, so his opinion—he's just a private citizen. So his opinion about authorization is completely irrelevant. His opinion about the, classification or declassification is completely irrelevant. And and even then, I'm sorry,
1: as the president. Like these people cannot be serious because to try to claim that being the president of the United States allows you to fall back on this private citizen bullshit. It's like, oh, very much the opposite of that, actually. Thank you. Um, If you guys if you all recall, um, you tried to get President uh, Clinton on a bunch of uh, administrative bullshit and the best you could find was a blowjob from another adult. Yeah. Uh and you still tried to get him um impeached on that. So yeah. I'm gonna have you just ask you guys just park it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, come on. Like I think that there are important distinctions to be made against things that are like important on a personal level and important on like a national political level. Like what yeah. Bill Clinton did, I think, as you pointed out, is like personally gross. Kinda gross, right? right? Like mm. You not know, great. Not great. And do I think that conduct is good? No. Do I think he should have resigned? Probably. Do I think he should have been impeached? Absolutely not. Right. You think he should have resigned? I think he should have resigned. Um interesting. But again, my opinion about that is irrelevant. Uh <laughs> right, right. because I don't see that as an impeachable offense. I don't I mean right. it did not threaten the body politic in any way, shape, <laughs> or form. Um and Based on my understanding of the marriage, it didn't it, <laughs> it didn't uh, uh, threaten his marriage in any way, shape, or form. You couldn't blackmail him with it because he's like, my wife knows, like she don't care none.
1: I <laughs> mean, if I'm marrying the somebody who is regarded as one of the most charming people ever to have lived, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, he's probably getting blown. Like, <laughs> yeah,
0: you know. I mean, I think almost in some ways that's part of the appeal of of people like Bill Clinton. Um, Duh! Like,
1: listen, I'm not trying to lay too many cards on the table, but like, sometimes the whole thing is like, yeah, I, I understand, I completely agree about wanting him. Uh, yes,
0: yes, Yes. (laughs) exactly. So, like, I think it's important. Anyway, in my book, I go through (laughs) a a lot of these ways to figure out what's a what's an existential problem right and what is it (laughs) yeah and i'm not going to go into the theory here but i think what's important is to ask yourself right does something related to national security to potential nuclear secrets rise to the level of something uh, of disclosing or having them (laughs) when you're not authorized to have them is that something that threatens the united states like i'm gonna go ahead and say yeah bob yeah exactly (laughs) Does information about the nuclear capacities of other gov- of other states, is that a secret that we do not want anyone to disclose who does not have, who, to have, let alone disclose, who does not have access to that information?
1: Well, f- fucking no. And secondly, if we've learned anything about, like, a, a categorically self-interested and self-absorbed person, it's that, like... He has let all kinds of people into Mar-a-Lago. They're, they're, you know, like, all you have to do to get into Mar-a-Lago is write the check for the membership fee, right? So, like, you know... The reason that the reason that uh, Kim Jong Un loved him so much is he's like, this is the easiest mark on the face of the fucking planet. Like, uh-huh. I'm running communist dictatorship. <laughs> like, I do parades. Like nobody's fucking business. You want your face on a car? I'll put your face on a car. Don't even worry
0: about it. Right? <laughs> Just give me every fucking thing I want. And it makes the same sense with Russia, right? Yeah, they, they look for the weakness, and the weakness is he wants money.
1: Yeah. Trump and wants and adulation. Yeah. Sometimes just adulation too. Like sometimes if he can't bilk you out of a mil- a billion dollars, like he'll take the applause of an adoring crowd. That's almost as good to him.
0: Yeah, ex- exactly. And they're just like, is there a way for us to get him money in ways that he would want it? Like, sure, there are. We can buy his properties. We can, you know, there are lots of, of channels there. We can rent out rooms at his hotels. Oh, the Saudis want to influence Jared Kushner. Is there a way? Sure. He has a failing business. Like, and so when we think about these, about who we want responsible to protect our secrets and to protect the American people, you have to ask yourself, first of all, are there weaknesses potentially threatening to the security of the American people and to our interests? And in this uh, case, yeah. Bill Clinton's like someone like Bill Clinton's, his weaknesses are simply weren't. Yeah, right? right. He would, I mean, you saw him, like his wife knew it wasn't going to ruin his life it would not ruin his chances in the democratic party at the time like and we saw that with him that he was not compromisable based on that that information because he just didn't give a shit and no one around him really gave a shit um and but versus like someone like trump where his weak particular weaknesses lead him to do things like share classified information with people around him, leave it out in vulnerable places, store it improperly. And we're never going to know. I think it's important. We're never going to know who actually saw those documents, who shouldn't have, because they would not take them. They know better than to take them because Trump would know what they're missing, but they're in a fucking bathroom. They could go in there, take pictures of them and leave. And we don't know.
1: We don't also know... If any of these fucking people said, hey, can I pay a thousand dollars to use your special bathroom? Mm -hmm. Right. Like there are a million ways that this could go down where he is very much selling, you know, international nuclear secrets in a way that because, again, he is a skin suit full of parasitic insects, you know, is set up in a way that maybe maybe it's the particularly clever. uh, uh, What am I thinking of where they pull your car around? Mm hmm but
0: it would be be extremely simple someone could be like can i have access to your special bathroom and you just bill it as like a massage because it's at mar-a-lago you bill it as some other service there and it's virtually untraceable we won't know because it's all on the surface going to look legitimate and the people who are involved in the transaction at that point would be in places we can't get to right that's exactly right so like that's the, I mean, if people ask, they thing, saying like, let's say there's like no harm, no foul. There's no evidence that any of these documents were actually transmitted. That's why the points we're raising now are why retention itself is included in the statute. Right. Correct. I think correctly, the bill's authors knew the difficulty of proving transmission. Right. And instead included in an entirely separate way that does not have lower penalties. I want to make clear some statues of lower penalties this does not because this, the weakness the vulnerability itself should be something we should be trying to deter and something we should be trying to punish um, yeah. if you give a shit at all about the security of america and its citizens and like it drives me crazy that you know chest-thumping people are trying to like fucking jingoist up in here and try and in one hand, and then trying to dismiss this shit at the other. I'm like, you either care about national security or you don't, you don't get yeah. to dismiss this stuff and still claim yeah. that you actually care about the safety of the American people. And I think there are enough persuadable voters um, who understand that. At least I pray. Cause uh, I mean, I think, I mean, I'm just going to run out of here. I want to switch to the po- politics just briefly That like, yeah, I'm just going to give you my estimation that I'm interested in hearing what you think. I think that Trump is likely to be indicted, not only indicted, but convicted. And I think it's going to drag itself out, but I think it's possible that he gets convicted of this um, and it'll go up on appeal. I think he'll be convicted of this. I think it's likely he's convicted before the election happens. Sure. And I think the crazy thing is that he would still win about 40% of the vote. Yeah. But I think he would lose. And that's what I see most likely playing out, that Donald Trump manages to win the Republican nomination, winds up getting prosecuted and convicted, and then manages to win more votes than we hope, but loses terribly uh, regardless, because there are enough Americans out there who still give a damn about the country. What do you what do you think?
1: I think Donald Trump is the equivalent of a guy that you don't know very well, but seems kind of like hilarious and like off the cuff or whatever. So you invite him to your party and he shows up and like for the first hour, you're like, oh, I don't actually love it. But like maybe he'll get better. Right. Like maybe he'll like maybe he's nervous and he'll feel more comfortable. And then as the night on, he continues to say more and more insane and like increasingly racist and unhinged things. Which ends um, with him punching somebody in the front yard and the cops being called to your house, and everybody watching the cops arrest this one guy that you tried to like maybe give a chance to because, like, he seemed fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. And not only was he not funny or hilarious, he was a disaster that ended up being really humiliating for you and your friends, and you especially for inviting him. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think the next time he messages you and says like, hey, what are you guys doing this weekend? I think you just ignore that message. Mm-hmm. And I think you do that forever. <laughs> so not only do I think I think your your prediction is like spot on where where this was always my historic prediction about Trump, which is before we knew who he really was, like before we could not ignore, let me say, who he was. I think it would be really easy to get dragged into, if you are just, if you just think politics is boring, right? Like if you're just kind of a simpleton, sorry, but like if you're just kind of a simpleton and you want politics to be exciting, so it appeals to you, you're going to get really amped up for 2016 for 2020. Let's say you're like a true fucking believer, right? Like you're in for 2020, maybe for 2024, let's say you are a true like you also have toxic narcissistic personality disorder, and you also believe that you're a victim all, at all times, right? But, like, everybody who is not in that extreme minor, minority now, we're talking again, you are talking about percentage of voters, which, mm-hmm. as we know, is less than half of the entire country votes in national elections, right? So, mm-hmm. like, it will seem like a large number with respect to the total votes that we get. But when you think about how many people it is compared to the actual mm. population of the United States, it will prove itself to be a tremendous minority Um, And I think that, like you said, this will be just a really opportune moment for a lot of Republicans to be like, oh, yeah, that's weird that I left that thing there. Like, don't you want to come pick it up? I'm going to I'm just going to keep walking. We got to go. We got to go. Right. Like this is just a perfect opportunity to just drop him like it's hot and also uh, um, really campaign really hard off of that exact victim uh, mentality that's been so successful for them
0: in the past. So I want to talk a little bit about that sense of, of, of victimhood, right? That that victim uh, mentality, because I'm just going to say here, in my opinion, the only thing Donald Trump is victim to is his own narcissism, incompetence and yeah. greed and stupidity. But yeah. why might someone still vote for Donald Trump, regardless of our perception of him, how right. might they perceive him? How might it interact or interact with their own feelings about themselves?
1: So, as you know, Matt, I am fascinated by narcissistic personality disorder um, and all of the ways that it leads you to make a lot of really deluded conclusions about yourself that because they are wrapped up in the idea of your superiority lead you to make a lot of choices that you can't undo. And because of what you perceive as being threatening, which would be like vulnerability or accepting wrong, or, you know, because those things to people with narcissistic personality disorder and victim complexes are so threatening, you also are never able to say, I'm sorry, or I was wrong or whatever. Um, And it's one of the most recalcitrant things to change. Right. And it's, because uh some of the sorry i i looked this up on my other computer forgot to pull it up but we're just gonna we're just gonna fly by memory um but one of the things that it that uh martyrdom or victim complexes bring up is uh a a lack of empathy and Mm -hmm. empathy is not something you can really learn except when you're like a little kid like they can They can teach a lot of these kids who have like some behavior problems, like empathize, but someone at Trump's age isn't going to learn to empathize, right? So that means that you are excluded from every other perspective that isn't your own.
0: And I I want to make that clear, the the distinction between empathy and sympathy, right? So empathy is uh, understanding and feeling what the other person is feeling, while sympathy is like feeling bad for them but yes. not necessarily accessing their same emotional state. So I just want to make that distinction. So why is, why does lack of empathy, why is it so common in people with narcissism and how does it relate here?
1: Narcissism, as we all know, uh, is, you know, it's kind of a swirling toroidal donut of um, self-interest, right? Toroidal is the shape of a donut or a bagel. Um, that's, you can put that on your SATs there. Um, but uh <laughs> It, it it really is like narcissistic personality disorder has kind of a gravitational pull onto itself right where um it's really really hard for a narcissist to change number one because they don't want to change because it like the the uh world the view of the world is like they're always right i'm mm-hmm. someone that i love very much um is dealing with a family member who it's never their fault. Like this is kind of a, another hallmark, which is like, you didn't do anything wrong. People, you know, interpreted your actions wrong or everybody else was wrong. It wasn't you. Um, and these are kind of the people who like, I always, I, I think a better way to describe this is like by an archetype. And for me, the archetype is a sort of perpetually unemployable, but also very full of themselves person. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I knew that I knew this guy for a long time who kept one job for a while, lost that job, like then kind of fell down this narcissistic void where now he deals drugs, like he deals drugs out of his house and like can't hold down a serving job because like nobody appreciates his genius, kind of and it's you know a- what I mean it's
0: always someone else's fault,
1: yeah, it's never his fault. Yeah. It's not that he showed up late, it's that like he had car trouble, and they just like weren't cool about it well it's the eighth time he had car trouble in two months. Right. It's this kind of, it's in a, it's inability, it's a, it's a, um, really striking inability to connect present events with past your own past personal actions. Like I sound like I'm making a joke, but that's like part of the clinical like, like diagnosis is like, yeah, the, the inability to recognize that you are the source of most of your problems. Um, and Donald Trump is the poster boy for this, um, Mm -hmm mental disorder and they're just they just refuse to acknowledge
0: that they are the problem and it's it's a classic uh, it's an argument I see a lot on the right uh, of and the mindset of why are you making us do this to you Yep. Right. Like, they're just like, if only you didn't look down on us, if only you didn't call yep. us deplorables. But because of that, we have to do the I have to vote for Trump, right? Because you don't give me another choice. Like, it's the why do you make me so angry? That's why I have to hit you. If only yes. you didn't make me so mad. It's literally yes. the political version of that. Um. And like, so an example in my life, it's uh, someone I know is distantly related to uh, Jared, the subway guy, uh, his enabler, who was his best friend. Oh. Right? So not directly related to Jared, the subway guy, but instead the guy who, like, procured the underage uh, 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 women for Jared to sexually abuse. And despite the voluminous evidence, (laughs) right, um, many of that family insist that he's the victim of some massive conspiracy course right and you can see why there's a level of cognitive dissonance like we love this person like how did we not see this like were we ignoring things you could see that being a difficult thing to wrestle with but instead of actually wrestling with that right being like you know were we inattentive like what can we do better like is there anything you know instead because they can't do that they can't take accountability and they they can't grow they have to come up with some way that they are the vic- they are truly the victims of a government yep. conspiracy uh, in this case. And I'd like to give you an example. There was someone I was uh, arguing with, not arguing with, someone who was trying to defend <laughs> Trump's conduct in this case. And yep. they were essentially saying like, you just hate Trump. You hate people like him. You hate people like me. This right. is like, you already had your mind made up. You can't analyze this clearly. I'm the only one being clear-eyed about this you're just brainwashed like and this is why we hate you this is why we're always going to vote for trump right so it's that classic thing right why are you making me do this to you yep right if only you were different if only you didn't do these things so and like we're the victims and through him through trump right they see their own victimhood yeah Um, that's right by the way old white guy Unsurprising. So I want (laughs) to, I want to connect this a little bit to our conversations about masculinity. So like it is well known that there is now a substantial gender divide. Yeah. Um, women just really during the late Obama years started trending left and men really started trending right. Um, during the nineties, during, um, uh, 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 the Clinton impeachment, but before that, um, Newt Gingrich, those years, um, why do you think so many men, older white men in particular, really vibe with Trump's sense of grievous and victimhood? like where how do these things connect?
1: I mean, we we have talked about this in our previous Manosphere episode about like the domestication of the American male, right? And, uh, I mean, you know uh, not to not to pull a horrible eh, it's not that bad but a management book into it like daniel pinkman has the book is to sell as human right so like the the idea of negotiating for your needs is like built into our human dna and white men have grown up in a world where that is not a skill where they've had to um to tend to a lot and like you know the obama administration period was so interesting because we had the first president who valued thoughtful communication and like Trusting, you know, crucially, Obama was known, I think, as in in his management style, um, as being a delegator who trusted men and women and who trusted capable people, regardless of gender. Right. And um, I, I think that masculinity, I'll never understand it. Right. I can't, I can't understand the masculinity experience. I can't understand the black experience, whatever. Right. But what I gather from it is it's so fragile and it's kind of zips around like uh, ping pong balls and hungry, hungry hippos. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, <laughs> jokes about like the joke about like, have you ever have you seen the joke product that became real? That was it's a hot dog holder that shields the hot dog from sight so that you can eat a hot dog without looking gay. Wow. Dude. But that's what I mean. Oh, right? my like, God. Why? I don't know. Why? I don't know. I don't know. But but this is what I mean. Like I think that there were a lot of women who, you know, as a woman, I've spent most of my life sort of coddling and cushioning the very fragile egos of some very fragile men who were significantly less capable of me, who had way more power and made way more money than I did. That's yep. like the majority of most adult women's careers. And then you can extend that. Plus, you know, like if you're a black woman, you then also have to coddle their maybe Disgusting levels of racism and you know microaggressions, and I think uh, Obama was so thrilling to all of us because he seemed like a man that you wouldn't have to do that for. Yeah,
0: yeah. and
1: um, uh, he seemed like somebody that you could have that you could come in when you're having a real shit day and say like, "Hey, I need five fucking minutes before you talk to me," and they and everyone in the office would be like, "God, someone's on the rag," you know what I mean? Like just being allowed to be a person. <laughs> And I think um, a lot of men refuse to engage in their personhood. And a lot of women are really ready for a greater sense of personhood. And one avenue is for one and the other is for the other.
0: I think you make a really good point here that women now have better expectations for men Yep. Uh, in general. And I find that like deeply refreshing because, yeah. <laughs> you know, I hear a lot of older women make excuses for Trump. Although, you know, boys will be boys. That's just locker room talk. That's how men are. But I'm like, no, that's how like four year old boys are. That's how like 13 year old like children are. That's, it's not how men or adults are or should be. That like, I was in a conversation uh, with uh, a woman and she was constantly surprised during our video dates that um, I would not get angry. <laughs> When she disagreed with me, when she expressed her emotions or her needs or even, like, the slightest criticism because she was so used to whenever she would do anything from expressing her own needs to uh, even mildly disagreeing with them of men just losing their shit. Yeah. Right? And, like, I'm, like, very sad. But it's also (laughs) something I can, like, really – empathize with in this case because yeah. I am also used to men, particularly older white men, losing their shit, not in a romantic contest, but like of even yeah. the mildest uh uh criticism or um or disagreement. And like I think that it's really important and if one something I want to see on the left even more, not just interpersonally, but politically, I think of all Americans who just saying like, no. Like we demand better. We demand a higher quality of leader. We demand, and for men, we demand a better man than this shit. Yeah. You know, than Ron DeSantis, who won't date anyone or marry anyone who would ever disagree with him. Like, no, because that is a fragile, brittle uh, a husk of a human being, right, who will crumble to dust and and freak out at the slightest breeze. That's that's the whole thing is that, like, you know, when I look
1: around at my like my my group of female friends, like most of them are pretty powerful, like they have powerful jobs and a lot of people ask them questions and communicate with them all day. Like I I have friends who are like vice presidents at like Salesforce and tech companies, you know what I mean? Like and once you're done managing a group of 30 people or whatever, or a thousand people or 10,000 people like. um, I once did the makeup, I, I did, I was hired by a woman named Susan Tardanico, who was one of the vice presidents of a, the company Textron, which is a billion dollar technology and materials manufacturer. Uh, and I found her so refreshing. And I really enjoyed talking to her. I learned so much from her, um, just from, you know, the couple days that I spent putting makeup on her. But like, when I think about her, Do you think that I can imagine in a million years, Susan Tardanico having a mommy style sit down with someone being like, listen, I am really sorry that uh, that girl stole your idea, right? Like, no, you know, we're just, that's, we're not there anymore. Like we don't have to beg for crumbs. It's like, no, no, I'm, I'm good. I have my BS in economics from Brown. Like I'm set. I don't need to coddle anyone's feelings.
0: Yeah, and like again like and this is on a personal level too that like at personal level we we should demand more out of our relationships with these shitty yeah. dudes. And at the same time like we should be looking at figures like Trump and DeSantis and, and all the men who support them and with like I don't know, just be better guys. Like the tools are there. Like it, it, what it, what what it reminds me of is like
1: uh a group of managers in a room with the intern, but the interns like in way overconfident, like white rich white male. And he's like, yeah, um, I actually think that um, we should just put everything in vending machines. And then there's like five seconds of silence. And it's like, yeah. So um anyway, you know what I mean? Where it's like, we're, we can let them talk. Like we're, I think we're in like the, let's just let them talk, get it out of the system. But like, then we're all just going to do what we're going to do anyway. And I will, I'm back to my old, my old worst habit, which is the one good thing about Trump was everybody realized, holy shit, this is their standard for good enough. Yep. You guys,
0: you guys got to get in here. We got to get on <laughs> this because, oh, wow. And their response was, because you're mocking us about this, because you're, you're, you're saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't elect someone who's dangerously unfit to be president. Our response is to say, fuck you. We're yeah. gonna do it again, or we're gonna elect someone even worse because, yeah. and I'm like, it's like, and, and we don't have a choice because of you, fucking, you know, smug progressives. I'm like, that's right. Like this is the logic of a five year old. I'm I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, it's well, I had to tell my
1: mom. My mom loves that boys will be boys shit. You know what I mean? Like just accepting. Ah, spider. Hold on. Got it. <laughs> um, my mom used to say like, ah, oh, you know, he's just a guy. Like my my dad for 20 years would come home, take off his jacket, hanging on the back of a chair, despite the fact that the front door is right next to a closet. And my mom said, please hang up your jacket. It's so simple. Just take it up and hang. And my mom said, ah, he's a guy. And I said, no, he's a dick. He's a thoughtless prick. Mm-hmm. That's what he's being. And she's like, you know, I, I think back on all the lessons that I've been taught and all my expectations that I've been ingrained in me for men. And it's like, No, we think he's just being a tool bag. Like, I think he just doesn't think about your needs long enough to think of, like, hey, I walked through the front door. I should probably hang my jacket up since that's what I've been asked for 20 goddamn years,
0: you (laughs) know? And it's also, like, and this is not something – it seems silly, but you're right. It's about respect. It's about paying attention to other people's needs and growing and changing to meet them. And, like, I remember – um, classic example of this is Eli and Peyton Manning. They're, they interviewed uh, their mother and yeah. they were like, so what's one thing that the boys do that always annoy you? And they're like, after they walk into the house, none of them ever close the front door. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. And I'm like, what the fuck guys? And like, that's not haha, funny, cute. That's like, <laughs> no, like, take be a basic fucking you know i'm not even going to say like adult i mean like be a responsible 4 year old
1: yeah yeah i had i listened to a woman who's not my friend obviously tell a story that she thought was so funny about how she told her husband to wash all the glasses that she had collected from the house and you know wash the glasses because uh, she also wanted him to finish washing all the other dishes that were in the sink, you know? And she woke up the next day and the glasses were washed and all the other dirty dishes were still in the sink. Dirty. And she thought that story was so funny. And I was like, divorce. Mm-hmm. Divorce. I'm not your project manager. I'm not your mommy. Like, It's it's not funny. It's not cute. It's not funny or cute when Donald Trump says, can we just run your covid sick blood through some kind of machine that cleans it? It's not funny or cute.
0: And uh, I would just say that he's just a deeply committed textualist. Uh (laughs) 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 Sorry. Uh (laughs) It's like Clarence Thomas vis a vis chores. Um, yeah, like, fuck that, like, fucking divorce that guy. Like, fuck that guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just, like, struggling to come up with the right expression of, like, <laughs> as a guy, sometimes I hear from women who tell me about the men in their life, and I just, I am just so confused <laughs> I am yep. confused and it's like, and this is why I don't have that many guy friends. This makes, this makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. And this is something we can talk about on another episode, but there's a great article about the growing partisan divide and how it's uh, between genders and how it's going to impact marriage. And I'm just like, you know what? Kudos to women for saying I deserve a better man than that piece of shit. That's all I have to yeah. say. And uh, I think we all agree that um, we can all agree on the podcast. And if you don't, Again, tweeted us, write to us. It's fine. We're happy to hear it. Like, we deserve better than Donald Trump. Like, yeah. we deserve a better class of leader. And I'm not saying that like Bob Dole was my cup of tea. <laughs> but like, Lordy knows that I would fucking kill for Bob Dole or the the like to be the next candidate for the GOP, yes, I know all about his problems, like don't at me, but I'm just showing you how low the I am willing to set the bar.
1: hey, listen, I set my bar for Republicans high. I was a Richard Luger voter until I couldn't vote Richard Luger anymore, and yeah. the reason is there was a time I've said this to my own parents like if the Republican party. Went at politics from a perspective of actually limiting government waste and i mean actually limiting government waste right like if they went through and did a report on the massive waste in the rebuilding iraq contracts right if they truly became the party of a conservative government in the sense of making everybody's tax money work more efficiently right like
0: while making everyone pay their fair share of taxes
1: yeah, exactly. Like closing right. tax loopholes and rerouting it to things where it's needed, right? right? Like I am fucking here for yeah. it. I would be more than willing to listen to that platform.
0: And it was funny because when I was my the f- my first boss in my summer internship after one L was the administrator of the drug court in Saint Louis. Hi, Mickey. Um, <laughs> and uh, she was and her husband were deeply conservative, but yeah. her focus was like we have this drug court. It's here. Let's make it run like gangbusters. Let's make it amazing. Let's, let's make it efficient. Let's make it do everything it's supposed to do. She's a former magistrate judge herself. She now is, uh, uh got a federal grant to process all the unprocessed rape kits in Missouri. Cool. So that's what she's doing. Because she said, they're there. I want the police to do their fucking job. We're paying them yes. enough money. They might as well do this shit. And like, it was funny. We came at things from very different base points of view. But we came out in the same place that we wanted the government to do right. We wanted the government to work properly. And me, because I wanted the government to do specific things, her, because she says, if the government's going to do these things, I don't want them to waste a single one of our taxpayer dimes. Fine. Great. Uh, But like that to me, that is the conservatism I want to see because it's a conservatism that we all can work with. And a conservatism that will lend a very important perspective in achieving common goals uh, that we all have. And I can say, Mickey, I love you for that. For you and Tom, for that reason alone, you showed that even among older white Americans who live who are from rural parts of uh, red states, there are still good people out there who want to do um, the solid work of making our country better. And uh, it gives me some hope, even when I feel like shit. and, and more uh, importantly,
1: it doesn't uh, churn marginalized groups like through like beef through a grinder.
0: Precisely, and like uh, I think if, if with more people like that, uh, we 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 would have a much much better country. And uh, yeah. Lord knows, Lord knows that like we could use we could use a little help there. But I do have yeah. to say, I don't even think the Lord can help Donald Trump out of these <laughs> charges. So, uh, Sarah, speaking of things that are divine, tell me a little bit about Metal Honey.
1: Yeah,
0: well, tomorrow, and this will not come out before that happens, but
1: tomorrow we're going to be on Indie Now TV. We're going to do a little segment about our uh, Tastemakers Club, and you can get products straight from the Metal Honey Foods uh, test kitchen, sent to your door, 25 bucks every quarter, and you can sign up on metalhoney.com, and uh Yeah. That's where you can go and get recipes and all kinds of fun stuff.
0: And I have to say that like uh, metal honey is always creating new products that are just are awesome. Um, It is. I think it's just a fucking steal because like who doesn't want to be at least for the foodies out there. I love the idea of like being like, you can't, you know, you can't get this anywhere else. Like you can't find it in the stores or anywhere, but like, you know, I just made you, if you ever want like a neat date idea for someone else who's a foodie, cook them a dinner with something they can't get anywhere else from metal honey. I'm just saying I am planning on using it soon. Um, So. That
1: is 100% the way to every foodie's heart. Yes.
0: Ah, yeah. So a little bit of advice there. Join the tastemakers club, uh, metal honey, So good. And what about, uh, tell us about your other businesses too. Oh
1: yeah. So this weekend, um, Dolly Pop Gloss Bar is going to be all set up at the Indiana Handicraft Exchange, which if you've never been there, um, it is at, Oh God, I always forget the name of the actual building. Um, but it's at the art center at 16th and Delaware in Indianapolis. It's like one of the most fun it's juried. Um, so it's not like, um, a show where they're just like letting any yahoo off the street, it's going to be every booth is going to be a banger. Um, Uh, it's put together by the same people who run, um, homespun, which is like an all Indianapolis based shop here on mass Avenue. It is just awesome. So it's noon to eight, uh, 16th and Delaware. Um, and we would love, I would
0: love to see you out there. That sounds amazing. So, you know, do that, please, everyone continue to support the show. What about you? Where
1: where can people find you and all your stuff and all your things?
0: So you can find me on Twitter at Perp Stew. Um, you can find us on Facebook and all the other things. Uh, I have been I have a fun little project that I've been working on for a little while um, that I'm trying to get off the ground, which is why I've been a little slow on on uh, updating uh, the podcast. I'm going to get a whole slew updated, uploaded in the next few days. So you're going to get a glut of of back episodes. My apologies for dumping them all at once. <laughs> um, but please like, subscribe, share, leave a review. It really helps us in the algorithm every time you, uh, you do any of those things and continue to grow the show. But uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, this has been the Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman. And I'm Sarah Merle. And until next time, stay curious. Bye.